0: Love Talk Radio.
1: Well, it's the first Monday of two thousand and fifteen. We've made it to yet another episode of Parenting Your Challenging Child. Dr. Ross Green here, coming to you, as always, live from the offices of Lives in the Balance here in Portland, Maine. And I am, as we've been doing all of this broadcast year, joined by my co-host, Susie. Uh, Susie, how are you? Good morning. I'm well, thank you. How are you? I am um, slightly rested from the holidays. Great. Which is about as close to rested as I ever get. But I actually managed to relax over the holidays. (laughs) And yourself.
0: We're we're happy to hear that. Um, Whatever. (laughs) We, uh, We had a nice holiday. We Visited with one of our kids, and um that that was very fun, but I never take those visits for granted because it wasn't so long ago that our family was going through a very difficult time, and um, our conversations were quite limited. And family time wasn't especially positive, so um, it it's just always very exciting to um spend time, especially with this particular child now, and how things are moving in such a positive direction because of the model.
1: And it helps you reflect, as you're saying, on um, the fact that um, some folks, some parents don't have wonderful times with their kids, whether it's during the holidays or otherwise. Um, You know, it's when you're feeling really good about your kids that you also have a chance to reflect on, you know, this is a cliche, but those who are less fortunate – and are having a really hard time with their kids and are not enjoying them very much at all.
0: That's exactly um, right.
1: A, yeah, but that's why we do this program, and that's why Lives in the Balance exists. And um, so we're just going to keep doing what we're doing. Sounds we do good. have our first caller of 2015. Shall we move over to that? Terrific. Plus a Absolutely. bunch of email that have... Come in since our last program in mid December. So let's go to area code nine seven two. You're on the air. How are you today?
2: Hello, it's uh, Alan Katz speaking from Israel. It's great to be with Alan, you. Alan, how are you? And um, well, thanks. And I see you looking great. Uh, you spoke about your diet, and if I see right in the pictures, I think it shows. Is that
1: right? Well, um, I've lost 25 pounds since around June 2014, um, mostly by only eating grass and hay, although that's only a slight exaggeration. Would um, you would be surprised how delicious grass can be if it's the only thing that you're eating? No, but I've, that's, that's not, quite, it's not quite that bad. I'm not eating grass, but I'm not eating much. And, but the, the key part here is exercise, and um, uh, it makes you feel a lot better.
2: No, you're so looking, thank you. You can see from the pictures you're, you're looking great, and I can actually compare the pictures from from earlier pictures. And this is this is great. Just uh, we sp- spoke about food. The thing about food is if, uh, if, if food is healthy and it's tasty, you know there's less battles in the family about food because you don't have to say, well you can't eat that before you before you finish the meal. You know everything's healthy, so it doesn't matter if a kid eats. Uh, dessert or a cookie before they eat the meat or the fish or the salad because they're eating healthy food so it's like less problems and less fighting and if you just concentrate on sort of like my rule was what I tell the parents is that uh, they should just encourage kids to taste food right and have a lot of variety and they don't have to finish and uh, it's much less pressure about food, but if food is healthy, you know there's no more fighting about over, over food. But I actually wondered is, well I'm uh, the best thing about kids. I find now is when they bring you grandchildren, and that, that's the greatest thing about them. And uh, I'm enjoying my grandchildren now. And there's a saying that uh, people should be grandparents before their parents. Have uh, you heard that one? Uh, I've heard that the, one the, the, you know The way I, I, I interpret it is that when when you're grandparents what, what you concentrate is on relationship. You don't have the power and authority of the parents, so you've got to focus mm-hmm. on problem solving, uh you know, discussion, relationships, getting their perspective, showing your perspective, you know. The type of uh, CPS type of approach to parenting and uh, that's what grandparents do, and parents
1: do live the reason you also why I'm have the luxury planning, sorry, I'm here, I, I, you I, also have you. the luxury of perspective when you're a grandparent what I find um as a somewhat older parent than some is that some things that I really thought mattered a lot really didn't matter that much, and still don't, but it's hard to keep track of that when you're in the thick of it. Um, so I think parent, grandparents bring that perspective as well. Now, on the other hand, there are some old school grandparents out there who are pretty renowned for telling their children, who now have children, how things were done in the good old days and what would have yeah. happened to you if you'd acted the way your kid did. Um, and so grandparents can be an interesting mixed bag. It's not all good, but I get what you're saying.
2: No. Oh. well, at least uh, my experience as, uh, with my parents and uh, my experience with uh, my kids, you know, you know, what I see in my community, uh, grandparents are very much more uh, working with type of approach. The reason why I phoned, I have an actual question, but I'll get back to it. I, as I think people know that I, uh, I also encourage people to to write and contribute to parenting forums. Uh, I have two blogs, one, Parenting is Learning, and I have another blog, Parenting by the Book, which is basically, I take a week from the weekly Torah reading, the Bible reading, uh, which use people once a week, and I take a a theme there, and I um, I sort of combine it with a CPS approach, or Unconditional Parenting and Constructive of Learning. And I've actually got a question that I thought uh, I'd get you support, but before I ask you, on the Lives and Balance uh, site, on w- the when you talk about the annual summits, so you got the annual summits of 2011, and it's written there that you're going to repost the videos, and uh, I'm still waiting. While I'm waiting, there was an excellent video by, I think, from the Long Creek uh Centre. Yes, uh, one of the he d- he did it, and uh, that was amazing, and it's quite important for me when I'm sharing the when I'm sharing the model i'm wondering what's we, we clear, are trying very hard to get up.
1: that it should be up very soon um, I don't have an exact date for you, but it should be back up there within the month yeah the reason
2: why it's so why I find it so important is when I've shown the site to people people the site sounds pretty easy and you know, easy going c p s the kids are quite responsive that until you start using it at home, you don't realize how, how tough it can be, but also you've always spoken about the spectrum of looking bad mm-hmm. so they, when people when people see the site, they don't see the spectrum of looking bad right they, they see, I mean, from your the own experience you see the spectrum of looking bad, but they don't sort of like see it on the site. so what's what was so I always used to show them this uh Send them this, uh, the link to the uh, the Bar Center, and I said if that works over there, right? You know, it'll work. It'll work anywhere. And uh, I generally explain to people that uh, the spectrum of looking bad—it doesn't really matter where on the spectrum you are. It's just you're looking bad, and there's a problem to be solved. Uh, but that's—I'm uh, looking forward to seeing it again. Um, I also want to do. uh, Susie, I've been looking for her Facebook. I wanted to make contact with her. Um, If she wants to reciprocate or do something about it, uh, on the comment section on the blog and the radio, I have a link in my comments to you. I have uh, my Facebook. So I'd appreciate if I could make contact with you, if that's okay.
0: Oh, well, thank you. I would very much appreciate that. The problem is um, I'm not on Facebook
2: Oh no! No, um, I've been looking. I've been looking. <laughs> well, yes. Well, my basically my uh, you can sort of uh, my blogs have my email there or something like that. And your uh, blogs
0: have your email. If if
2: yeah, it's Alan Katz blog and Alan's with two Ls. Alan Katz blog at gmail dot com. Okay. Uh, okay, okay, now the question. The question is, goes as follows. that In this week's portion that we're going to read, talks about the uh, Moses uh, gets into the scene and he's, he's going to be the leader, he's going to redeem Israel, and he starts speaking to, to, to Pharaoh, and things get much worse. And people are very disillusioned, and he's disillusioned, and he wants to give up the leadership. So people basically take the lesson is that... Uh, with a lot of processes, things get bad. Things get worse before they get better. And it's a matter of having faith in the process. So I thought I'd combine that idea with uh, the traditional approach, which is basically uh, until they get the message that you're in business, you know, they're going to test your limits, right? And in my experience, it gets much worse and never gets better. And the CPS approach, I was wondering... Uh, I'll first take your input um, if, if the question's okay.
1: I I don't quite understand the question. Let me get it from you in a different is, version. Okay.
2: The question is, so often in parenting, people say things get worse before they get better. Mhm. Okay. So, traditional parenting, they basically say, well, you're going to you're going to try to be more of the boss, but more of the plan A. And the kid will test your limits so there will be more of uh, more meltdowns and more more action and more uh more conflict. But in the end the kid will realise that you mean business and things will start and things will start to improve. Right? How would you take that on the, uh with the CPS I can also imagine things getting a bit worse because the the kid doesn't trust the process yet. Well, I think that there are.
1: I get it now. I think that there are. I think that there are families in which it gets a little bit worse in the beginning, if they're using CPS. Um, you know, in another model of care, where parents are being more firm, more consistent, more contingent. Um, Things I could see things getting worse before they get better. Although that's even back in the day when I was doing that, that wasn't always the case because sometimes kids oh, no. <laughs> were very en- sometimes kids were very enthusiastic about the reward. Um, it's when we had to put the kid in timeout or use punishment that things got worse and that we told parents, "Well, things are going to get worse before they get better because what we're doing here is trying to compensate for all those years of." passive, permissive, inconsistent, non-contingent parenting that you were doing, and now that we're making you firm, consistent, contingent, and teaching your child who's boss, um, things may get worse before they get better. In CPS, I find that things are much more variable. Things actually sometimes get better and don't get worse, because now you have a kid who is having his concerns heard, having his concerns addressed, You've largely removed quite a bit of plan A. Um, Yes, I agree with you. you You've got plan C. You've got plan C doing some working for you. Yeah, plan C is where you're removing expectations that you don't plan to deal with right now temporarily. You've set them aside. Um,
2: And so when things...
1: Right, you've reduced conflict. So I'm not sure things are going to get worse before they get better, is as applicable to CPS as it is to a more traditional approach. Um, That said, there are families, there are parents who um, aren't very good at Plan B in the beginning, and I think that applies to most human beings. Most human beings aren't very good at Plan B in the beginning. And so some of them feel that things are getting worse just because they feel like you've taken – some of their old tools away from them, sometimes you have to point out to those parents that those old tools were actually what were causing them and their child to fight a lot and so it's hard for us to see how things have actually gotten worse but I I like your point very much I don't think in this model by and large things get worse before they get better, I think that that refers to a different way of thinking
2: Yes, yes, the only problem what I find is that like the parent has moved to Plan B, but the kid is filled with Plan A, and the kid sort of might see the Plan B as a sign of weakness, or you know the parents being less firm and less demanding, right? And he hasn't come across. You now the kid, the kid has also got to make a paradigm shift to Plan B. Now, how do you get the? That, that is my biggest question. How do you help the kid, you know, make that paradigm shift as well?
1: Well, we have to remember that a lot that that there's a that, that what has been fueling the kids' response has been the parents' response. And over time what's been fueling the parents' response is the kids' response. So they've been they've been feeding off of each other. Once you yeah. have a parent who's no longer fueling episodes, you may have a kid who sticks with it a little bit longer and and has isn't quite so quick to come out of old ways of communicating and dealing with disagreements and solving problems. But I actually find that the kids come around pretty quickly and that the main people who probably have to act first in terms of not fueling the fire is the parents. Um, I find that if the parents stop fueling the fire, they may get a little residual fuel from their kid, but not that much over time. Now, Susie, I bet you can speak to this a little bit as well because um I think that um I don't know if my recollection is that you didn't get this quick burst of good just because you began implementing CPS. It took a long time for the adults in your family to get good at it and a while for the kids to come around. What, what's your take on the things are going to get worse before they get better as it applies to CPS?
0: I'd love to weigh in on that. Um, in our particular case, things did get a bit worse before it got better um, just because the the relationship that we had with our child, he was so used to um, plan A and us telling him what to do. And might makes right um that our relationship we had you know some bad history, and it was not a positive relationship um so I think one of the things also that is helpful is if the parents actually verbally uh reassure the child that you're not enemies that you're trying to problem solve together and add reassurance that you're just trying to understand um i think that helps tremendously and and it takes a while for that trust between the parent and child to turn itself around, but by solving problems collaboratively and proactively, um, you repair relationships.
1: Alan, any final thoughts
2: um What I what I uh, what I see what I mentioned the problem before is that uh, the, the kid making the paradigm shift that when you problem solve I and mean, when it's collaborative, basically you are you're addressing the concerns of the both parties. And uh, the kid who is still in the paradigm, uh, the plan A paradigm. He wants 100%. Uh, he wants 100% of the computer. He wants or seventy five percent you know he he feels that he's by understanding his concerns or meeting his concerns you know he's he's put the bar up quite quite high where what he wants uh, and you know lowering the bar lowering his expectations uh, because when you when you're in uh, plan b you have to lower your expectations to a certain extent on what you want to because 'cause we're living together. And living together, it's like a paradigm shift, you know, that we're caring about everybody. We're living in a community. We're living in a family. We've got to care about everybody.
1: I just think that it takes That's some kids so. a little bit longer to get there than others, and some adults as yeah. well.
2: Yeah, yeah, yeah,
1: I appreciate you calling okay. in all the way from Israel.
2: Nah. yeah, thank you. We should speak again or... Uh, Cause, I don't know is there somebody on the line. Well,
1: sure. I do have some order? other emails that I want to get that I want to get to.
2: Okay, just just one point that you made. Uh, you, know, you spoke about Moses not appreciating nagging skills, and you know using the uh, using corporal punishment and this type of thing. Today in the Jewish community, around I me mean, in the Orthodox community, it's uh, corporal punishment and is out, completely out. Not only that. Uh, there's, a, there's a law that says do not uh, put a stumbling block. It's in, in the Torah in the Bible. You're not allowed to put a stumbling block before the blind. That basically means that you're not allowed to give bad advice. And for When it comes to parents, you're not allowed to discipline them in a way that they will rebel against you. They'll be angry or they'll swear or they'll lift their hands about, against you. So that's basically that's uh, the, the main principle in parenting. You've got to do it in a way that... If you, if you get defiance out of your approach, your discipline approach, you, you're, you're, con, you're considered as contri- having contributed to the to the kid's defiance. So that is out, and that's just, that's already, and it's even with small kids there. Uh, really, 800 years ago, they they spoke about it. So um, just to give a p- bit of perspective, the, the biblical perspective on how to discipline your kid.
1: Alan, it's always good to hear from you. We always appreciate your thoughts, and call in any time.
2: Thank you very much, and I appreciate all the work you're doing, especially Susie. You're making a great contribution, and I appreciate all your insights.
0: That's very kind of you to say, Alan. Thank you. you Thanks, Alan. Take care. Take care.
2: Bye. Uh, Bye. Bye
1: Bye-bye. Well, um, always good to hear from Alan and all the way from Israel. Um, Susie, maybe you need a Facebook page. (laughs)
0: I should have recognized it, the 972 number.
1: Uh, Oh, Really, I I would not have recognized that, although sometimes I look up area codes while we're on the uh, line with people here. Shall Uh we turn our attention to some emails? Sure. Here we go. Oops, I just lost it. Uh, My six-year-old son has been diagnosed with ADHD and ODD. He seems to never listen to even the simplest things and is always at odds with my husband and I. We have tried rewards, timeouts, one, two, three magic. They all seem to work for a while. Uh, His overall lack of cooperation with everyday tasks seems to be getting worse. He is great in kindergarten, but home life is very upsetting. He listens and behaves better when my husband is alone with him and also when I am alone with him. I have looked at the LSIP and feel it is too specific for us right now. Any suggestions on how to start slowly? Thank you for any help. Um, All right, here we go. Um, Well, we've got a kid who has some diagnoses, ADHD, um, which tells us that the six-year-old has some combination of inattention, hyperactivity, and or poor impulse control, and oppositional defiant disorder, which basically tells us that the child is refusing to do as he's told, defying adult rules and requests, throwing a lot of tantrums. So now we know about some behaviors. We also know what seems to have not worked. Well they work for a while, but they aren't durable, and in this child's case rewards have worked but not for long. Timeouts have worked but not for long. One, two, three magic has worked but not for long. Um we have a child who is doing who is behaving himself at school but not at home. And we know that he behaves better when it's one parent home alone with him. Now, here's the interesting thing. I think the ALSIP is going to be the place to start, but it doesn't have to be the place to start. Um, Because I think that figuring out what a child's lagging skills and unsolved problems are, are really what provide us with the information we need to start and making things better. But there's a guided tour on the Lives in the Balance website, and I'm not sure if this mum has taken the tour yet, but if, if you haven't, go to the parent section on the Lives in the Balance website and um, find the guided tour, find the walking tour, and you'll see that the first section relates to lenses, And there's a good reason that lenses come first, as I always say. Lenses, seeing a child through the prism of lagging skills and unsolved problems, knowing that kids do well if they can, knowing that doing well is preferable, knowing that focusing on behavior and diagnoses is not as informative as focusing on lagging skills and unsolved problems. Those are all about lenses, then in section number two on the walking tour, that's where you're going to actually be identifying lagging skills and unsolved problems and where you're going to get a little little bit more technical with the assessment of lagging skills and unsolved problems as your guide for identifying lagging skills and unsolved problems. So I guess my best suggestion on how to start slowly is to start with the first section of the walking tour and that section isn't about the ALSIP the ALSIP is in the second section where we're getting more technical the first section is all about lenses and I think that that is a very good place to start that's my thought on starting slowly Susie, I bet you have some thoughts of your own
0: <laughs> uh, as far as the timeouts and the one-two-three magic you come to understand that punishment is not effective at changing this type of child's behavior. You never stop to think that the message will never get through. Um, the other thing that I wanted to mention was, I, I appreciate that the mom wants to start out slowly, but by being specific, uh with the conditions that are um, outstripping his capacity to deal with the demands of the environment by being specific, then the kid will know what you're talking about. Otherwise, um, vague, vague concerns um, don't do so well with Plan B. And uh, just going back to your, you know, the um, comment about the lenses, uh, just a reminder to the parents that it's not the child's idea of having a good time. They want to do well.
1: Thank you. And I think that, um, well, we have another caller here. So let's I hope that answers the question for our emailer, but now let's move over to our caller, because callers take priority on this program. Let's go to area code 914. You're on the air. How are you today?
3: I'm good. How are you?
1: I am well, and Susie, I'll let you speak for yourself. (laughs) I'm well as well. Thank you.
3: So very quickly, since I don't have a lot of time, I have three children, um, three boys under the age of eight, one of which has um, sort of diagnoses of ADHD and is medicated, another one with diagnoses of ADHD um, in addition to disruptive mood dysregulation disorder at this point and is Mm -hmm. being treated for it in a program um, at our local hospital. He's in a clinical trial for DBT and CBT. So he receives... Um, CBT, <clears throat> but at home, and the uh, doctor, some of the doctors there have actually asked if I've read the book, <laughs> the Explosive Child, and I said, actually, every Monday morning, I, you know, or you know, I, I log on and I listen to the program, and I really do try to use a lot of the Plan B um, with my children in certain situations. But there's a lot of situations, and there's a lot of issues that we're dealing with, and a lot of behaviors that we're trying to reverse. Um, And I notice in in moments I have to use plan A, I think. Um, For example, getting them bathed, getting their teeth brushed, getting them ready in the morning. They're all three very easily distracted and all have a very hard time with sort of executive functioning, so to speak. Um, When there's too much going on, which in our home there's a lot going on with three boys with many different issues, Um, I really quite try, like, everybody's got to do shoes. Everyone's got to do socks. I really have to kind of focus in so they get out the door that's what i think my plan a for plan b with things that i've noticed that have been coming up in little issues uh, for example i have a play date over and my child one of them getting very upset and starting to be a little offensive to his friend in the moment i have to say you need to take a time out and take a breath and calm down because you're being very rude to your friend and he will say i don't care uh he's an he's a you know curse word he's this he's that, in front of his friend in front of his brother and he'll say exactly what it is that's bothering him about his friend. If it's an, in a very rude way, he'll say he's bossy, he's rude, he always makes the decisions, it's not fair, and he's, he's a jerk. You know, sometimes it's worse than that. So clearly upsetting a friend in the moment. I take him out of the situation and bring him back, calms him down. And after the play date is finally over, I normally end up the play date a little early, the play date is over, I will say to him, I noticed you had a very hard time with your friend today. What's up? And he will tell me exactly what's up. And he will tell me word for word what this child did a year ago, why it's led to him being so upset today, because he constantly does the same thing. And I can say to him, the thing that's making me nervous or upsetting me is that maybe your friends won't want to play with you if you're so nasty to them. And he will basically say, I don't give a... You know what? (laughs) A beep. And I kind of from there am stuck on the invitation step, I think. And I've said, or I did say, if this happened yesterday, the day before, I said, what do you think we can do the next time he's over to make it better? And he will say, I don't give a crap. (laughs) (laughs) and I look at him, I say, well, this is why you're not going to have any friends then, and I get angry, and I turn around, and I walk away, and I'm like, I can't do this. (laughs) I'm trying to help you, don't you see? I'm trying to help you, and and Hmm. it sort of ends at that, and I feel very lost, and that's one example of how I feel Mm -hmm. like I'm trying to use sort of the empathy step with him. I'm trying to, you know... Be a very understanding of his feelings and the situation, which I can see 100% why he would be upset. But I feel like I don't know where to go from there to change the behavior in the moment because it happens a lot.
1: Okay, so a few things that I'm hearing, and I'm sure Susie's going to want to weigh in here too. A few things that I'm hearing. Number one, you got three boys under the age of eight. You're going to have an interesting life.
3: <laughs> I already do.
1: <laughs> That's right, and and it's going to stay interesting. Just
2: mm-hmm.
1: you know, I'm um, I'm um, being stereotypical about what it must be like to have three boys under the age of eight. But um, <laughs> number one, the
2: number
1: number number one, the number three. Um, number two, under the age of eight. I'm not sure how big the boy part is, but I'm sure people have their stereotypes. But you're you're going to have an interesting and busy life, and already have. Yeah, and. Life isn't going to always be smooth, um, and life's going to be busy because it sounds like you have three distractible guys there. Yes. Um, so that is a so that goes without saying. So some of what you're describing sounds like um, what we might expect to some degree for someone who has three boys under the age of eight. All right. So mm-hmm. that's so let's. There's that part. But now here's the rest. Um, you want to make sure that you're focused on specific unsolved problems, not behaviors. Mm-hmm. And you want to make sure that you're focused as often as possible on chronic unsolved problems rather than specific instances of an unsolved problem. hmm When you're focused on specific instances of a chronic unsolved problem, there's a tendency to get caught up in the details of that specific event. And worse yet, there's a tendency to focus on what has already happened. And what has already happened means that we're talking about things, even though we're talking about them proactively, we are talking about what happened when it got emergent and reactive. Mm-hmm. And so we don't really want to talk about specific incidents or specific behaviors. We want to talk about chronic unsolved problems. Now, I don't know why your son said he doesn't give a darn about <laughs> um this problem. But there are some potential hypotheses for why that might be. He might you'd know best. He might have felt like he was in trouble. He might have felt like we were talking with him about his behavior. And when we talk with kids about their behavior, behavior is not something kids can tell us what their concerns are. Mm -hmm. Um, Unsolved problems they can tell us what their concerns are. But behavior is just the kid's reaction to the unsolved problem, and he may not have any concerns about that, in which case he may have been telling the truth. He may not give a darn about the (laughs) behavior part, but I bet he does have some concerns about what goes down when he has a friend over. I bet he right. has some concerns about that. So, right.
3: And it's very so, clear that he does because he can say, he. Al- my friend always decides what we want to do. He never lets me decide uh, what to do.
1: So there And he's you able have to it.
3: say that. So that's clearly Good. the problem. But dealing with it in well, the moment, he's nasty.
1: Well, that's. Well, that's his concern about the problem. But you're yes. going to be dealing with it in the moment until there's a solution that makes it so that your son doesn't have to respond maladaptively to what's going down. The fact that he's still behaving maladaptively in those times simply communicates to us that we don't yet have a solution in place that has solved the problem. And what I can't tell, because I don't have the details, I can't tell if that's because we've been primarily focused on the behavior or if we've been trying to solve the problem, his concern is that his friend always decides what they got to do, and he doesn't always want to do what his friend wants to do when he has a friend over. That's, right. that's a problem that could be solved. What behavior he exhibits when his friend is telling him what they got to do when he has a friend over, uh, that's unsolvable. I don't know what we do about that. All right. I know is that we can solve the problem of how these two guys are communicating about and deciding about what they're going to be doing together. And as long as that's unsolved... I wouldn't expect to see the behavior change very much.
3: Right. Makes sense.
1: Now, the other thing you said, and then I'll shut up and let Susie get a word in edgewise here. You've got some other ones that you mentioned that you thought maybe you were doing plan A on. Right. You're doing group teeth brushing. You're doing group <laughs> getting shoes on. Right. Sort of. Sort of, of, a, um,
3: sort of. Right. yeah. It's more, and, of, you know, I concentrate on... You know, this morning I would say, Ethan, you know, you've got to make sure you brush your teeth. If I don't tell him, he won't do it. He, it's like, got I can't it. say to two of my children, you know, say, it's time to get ready for school. I can say to my six year old, it's time to get ready for school. He will brush, he will get dressed, he will come downstairs. The other two, it's like they don't understand the concept of getting ready for school. So I have to say to them, you need to brush your teeth. It's time to brush your teeth. Let's brush your teeth. <laughs> it's like constant. Well, now here's, here's the th-
1: interesting thing that, that's, that's an interesting solution. But it's a solution that you have divined as the only way to get the job done because these guys, these two, aren't reliable about doing it on their own. But right. whether whether that's the only solution that's available to you will only be known once you sit down and do a separate plan B with both of them on the difficulty right. they have getting ready for school in the morning. Right. I don't know if that's going to be the only solution that's available to you. It may turn out that, that you guys figure out that they do need to be reminded. But then once they're reminded, they can get the job done. You may find that the solution is different for both of them. They're, they're different guys, and they need a different solution on that unsolved problem. Right. So I'm, I get it that, you know, once again, three boys all under the age of eight. Mornings are tough. You're getting all three out, it sounds like. Trying to get them all out the door is never going to be fun, but I think it could go a lot better if we actually made a list of the expectations they're having difficulty meeting and tried doing some plan B with them as individuals to try to solve some of those problems, that's my thought. Mm-hmm. Susie, I bet you have some thoughts too.
0: Um, they're along the same lines as yours. Um, but boy, are you, are you a busy mom. <laughs> um, I just I was yeah. wondering... I'm sorry, what were you going to say?
3: No, I said yes, I am. (laughs)
0: Um, If you've had a chance to keep a log for one week and um, that would show you um, the most important difficulties that are coming into play. And then to prioritize those two or three unsolved problems and deciding that some things you're just going to let go for the time being. They go on the back burner because the two or three important um, unsolved problems are what you're working on right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we and always, I
3: think that's a great idea.
0: We always found it so helpful to make an appointment with our child even 15 minutes a day, and I don't know if you could get coverage with your... <laughs> if I
3: could get them to sit that long.
0: <laughs> well, if you could get coverage yes. with your significant other or a friend or a family member, that mm-hmm. somebody could take the other two kids and you right. could just have that 15 minutes with that one child. Um and reassure the child that they're not in trouble, that you want it, that this is something that you're doing together.
3: Right. And I look at that, you know, I definitely, I keep a lot of um, sort of lists and things like that of just sort of behaviors for the doctors mm-hmm. that are working with one of my kids right now. And when he has ang- his angry outbursts or tantrums and what, what's going on in that certain situation and why, you know, why is he having that? tantrum in that moment, so I have a lot of the logs for that type of thing, and the appointments each week I feel like they're ongoing they're always going to change there's always going to be different sort of skills that they need to learn and that I need to help right. them with and have empathy for if they 're kind of lagging in those areas and i I definitely <laughs> speaking to you guys realize it is going to be ongoing um mm-hmm. and it's not always going to be easy and I think it's i've realized that it 's work it 's not no matter what, if Absolutely. there's an ADHD or an ODD or, a, you know, any diagnoses that's been given to my children, I don't quite base their lives around them. I base them around the the idea of giving them the skills to be able to live their lives, you know, and that they're lacking in some areas and I need to help them. So this is very helpful.
1: I think that's a good way to look at it. And um, here's the good news. <clears throat> if you've got three under the age of eight, You've got some time to to teach those skills and time to solve those problems because they're not going to college yet.
3: <laughs> not yet. <laughs> and that's the goal. Yes, yeah, But thank well, you very much.
1: Thanks for calling in. Mm-hmm. Bye-bye. Um, three kids under the age of eight. Um, well, you know, there's people who did that in the good old days and – did a lot of plan A to make things less chaotic. Um, I think plan B can make things less chaotic, too. It just sometimes feels like plan A is the most efficient way to get the job done. But that sure does put a lot of pressure on the adults to be the ones who are keeping things organized and keeping things rolling. And while the adults certainly have their role, it sure is nice when you can partner with your kids and do it together. Even when you've got three under the age of eight. Yep. Um, I'm glad she called in. We don't have enough time. We only have about uh, 45 seconds left in today's program. Any final thoughts on anything we've covered today?
0: Uh, No, just it was another interesting uh, group of conversations and uh, just all the more reason to, to... Trying to do the model, even if the first Plan B or the second Plan B don't work out so well, you try, try again, and eventually it will.
1: And I have, uh, I'll second that, and I think that's going to do it for us here. We'll be back again next week with another edition of Parenting Your Challenging Child. Susie, thank you as always. Thank you. Take care. You too. plus.